Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hella Good Movie Pod. Sarah, how are you today? Good. How you doing? I'm. It's. It definitely feels, you know, like a day. That it's been I a day would, for you. It's been a day, and I really could use a cocktail. <laughs> then I say, grab a cocktail before we get into our podcast for the day, or. Save it as like a special treat after we're done where you can just like relax. I might just save it and have it with dinner, but. What's a, what's a cocktail of your choice? I have a Moscato in the fridge right now. Okay. And they're little like um, individual bottles. What is, what's a Moscato? It's like a sweet, a oh. sweet wine. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that kind of like an after dinner kind of like sweet wine? I mean, like, after dinner, before dinner, during dinner, lunch, <laughs> breakfast. Does it really matter? I mean. Actually, yeah. What am I saying? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> there, are no, there are no rules when it comes to cocktails. There really isn't. There really isn't. <laughs> uh, but on a different note, how was your weekend? Did you do anything fun, exciting? Um, okay, well, one, I obviously, my weekend, I watched this movie that we'll be reviewing here in a minute. Oh, my God, me too. How crazy. Yeah. Um, do you ever have those weekends where on Thursday, you start making plans for the weekend, and they're elaborate, and then Friday comes, and you're still committed to those plans that you've made, but you can kind of feel in the back of your mind, like, already telling yourself like I don't want to do half the things I just said I wanted to do this weekend that's me every day (laughs) yeah but you don't say it to your partner you don't say it to your friend you just like okay maybe it'll go away and then you wake up exactly and then you wake up Saturday and that's when this things start to go downhill and you just feel like you're canceling things (laughs) you're and then by Sunday night you're like god my weekend was so boring and (laughs) you're like crap I literally could have had a fun weekend but I was so lazy I didn't want to do anything and therefore yeah yeah now you're bored you you had a boring weekend I don't know so that's where my weekend was (laughs) I planned a whole bunch of stuff I did none of those things I only am doing like house chores and you know neighborhood walks and uh yeah by Sunday night I was like god weekend was so boring and I realized because I canceled everything that I had actually had planned. So you had FOMO. I actually it it wasn't really FOMO because you missed doing it. Like you didn't do it. So there was no fear of missing out. You just it was like the reverse of that where you wish you didn't cancel. Yeah, it was just like you know, and you're like, God, that was just like such a boring time. And then when you look back and you see like, oh, well, it could have been less boring if I had gone to dinner with those people or done that hike we had talked about all week doing for the day. And if I just felt like putting on regular pants and not sweatpants. Exactly. So yeah. basically, I did nothing. What about you? Um, I did something super crazy and something that I've been wanting to do forever. And some people may not agree with what I did, but 
It's definitely a personal choice, but I'm super happy with it. I cannot stop looking at myself in the mirror because I feel like, okay, I feel like my face has changed because it has, you've done something to it clearly. Yes, (laughs) but I got Restylane injected into my lips. I got my, I got lip filler and I, I got my lips a little plumper. Okay. What's the process for lip filler? Uh, okay. So first, she, I went to a really reputable person, first of all. First and foremost, you need to do research yeah. on who you're going to. Yeah. I did a lot of research. I talked to um, someone who's been to her and has done many things with her. Um, and I, she looks fabulous. Okay. Um. So I get there and the first thing she asks is if I have pictures of lips that I, that I like. Okay. Uh, And that's something I would like, what would be like my goal, right? What what do I want my lips to look like? So I had a couple of photos to show her and I didn't want to do a huge change. I definitely didn't want super huge lips. Like, did you want Kylie Jenner lips? No. Okay. No Kylie, no Chloe, no, none of the Kardashians. Don't okay. want to look like them. I, on the sides of my upper lip, have always felt like it's super thin. When I smile, a lot of my upper lip goes away. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, when I go out, if I'm wearing lipstick, that that I'm not really wearing it, that it's wearing me because I just don't have a lot there. Right. So we talked a little bit about what I wanted. She said she totally got it. Um, She numbed my lips. She put a numbing cream on um, and I had to sit for like a half an hour. Okay. And I'm just going to like interject right there because when you have that happen, you texted me a picture (laughs) and I just want, and if anybody under 18 is listening, please mute this. <laughs> it literally looked like you had just had some guy come all over your lips. I mean, you had white <laughs> all over your lips and it was like, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I knew exactly what I looked like. I still sent that photo. Um, but uh, let me tell you, I feel like it doesn't even matter because it doesn't even help. Can you imagine how must how much it must have hurt without it without it if it hurt still with it (laughs) well so she had told me that they have they now have uh, basically laughing gas there that you can use so in conjunction with the numbing cream because she said as you get to the middle there's really nothing that can numb that 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 pain she said it, it, it always happens to where as you get closer to the middle it just it hurts oh, and she was on. she was correct as <laughs> she got to the middle I felt it more and more and more and um and and that's top and bottom and she did multiple injections she probably injected me like 20 different times wow. um I used a full, I don't know what they're called, like a full vial of mm-hmm. Restylane. And what I got was Restylane Kiss, 
which is supposed to feel the most natural. Okay. Um, and of course was the most expensive option to choose. Yeah, I'm sure. So, but so far, like, I mean, they warned me that the next day would be the worst for swelling and bruising, but I feel like it was really, I feel like Sunday was like the worst day. Okay. And you got it done on Friday? I got it done Friday, Saturday, definitely swollen and there was a brief moment where I was like, oh, God, what did I do? But it quickly went away because my lips looked beautiful. Um, Love it. Yes, but definitely very happy. If anyone is in Texas, in Bel Air, Houston area, the person I went to, Laser Girl, her name is Alyssa. She's in Bel Air. She's amazing. Well, 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 you definitely had a more eventful weekend than I did. So that's (laughs) lovely. (laughs) And how long will that last, by the way? So she said that it really depends on how fast your body metabolizes the product. Okay. But it could be a year plus. Oh, so at the least you'll have it for a year. Exactly. And if I only have to do this, like, I'm sure already I'm like, I could have gone a little bit fuller. Mm-hmm. But I can I, I can tell why people get so addicted to yeah. like just doing stuff to themselves because when I got my first tattoo, I was already ready for my next one, and we all know how that turned <laughs> out. Where I now have I have a lot. Yeah, um, and you know, same for me with piercings. I had a lot. I've had multiple. You've, yeah. Uh, and now with this, like, I'm like, I could go a little bit fuller, but definitely would still keep me from looking like Kylie Jenner. Like I wouldn't look like that. Like cool. that. Gotcha. Um, but I was I'm now thinking about maybe possibly Botox in the future. Maybe. I don't know. Wow. It, they it's, hooked it's you. Just, Sounds like you've been hooked. Yeah, it's just a new door and a new way to modify, you know, body modification. And so I don't know. All right. Well, I can't wait to go on that journey with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just continue to cross my fingers and hope I age gracefully. (laughs) Let me tell you, Sarah, you know, we FaceTimed not too long ago yes and you still look fabulous yes still look fabulous you do know that facetime has filters and also (laughs) it was dark in the room i was facetiming (laughs) and i sat far away from the phone so but thank you i'll just take that just take it just take it i'm taking it and now i'm moving us along yes to what y'all came here for today which was to talk about the movie we will be reviewing which is the Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. Uh, which Jungle Cruise just came out this past weekend, July 30th. So that explains why both you and I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, came out in both theaters and on Disney+. And can I just tell you that whenever I go to Disneyland, this is like one of my go-to rides. I freaking love this ride. I feel like if I worked at Disneyland, that is where I would want to work is to be 
the skipper the skipper on yeah. the jungle cruise yeah yeah so basically you just said it which is that this movie is based off the ride at disneyland um do you know one of the skippers that used to be uh one of the an actor that used to be a skipper at the for the ride was kevin costner really yeah that is interesting Isn't that funny and also another guy who ended up being like someone in like some political guy for one of the presidents i can't remember not like a long time ago like nixon i think but um i was like huh that's a little tidbit for you interesting um i obviously yes i think anytime you go to disneyland you obviously do this ride it's kind of like you have to do it even though it's like so cheesy it's just you, you can't get around not going on the jungle cruise I feel like it's one of those rides where it's long enough that it gives you a break from standing in line all day yes uh and uh I mean it, it, it's definitely like you said it's it's definitely cheesy but you still like laugh and kind of get into it yeah because you can't help it you can't help it. They try so hard to like <laughs> have the corniest jokes possible. Exactly. Okay, movie is starring um, Emily Blunt, whom this past week and I also watched her in A Quiet Place too. So I had a lot of Emily Blunt this weekend. <laughs> um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jack Whitehall, which um, I don't really know him from anything before. So he was definitely new for me. Although he's been in other stuff. And then uh, Jesse Felms. Plemons. Flemons. Plemons. Thank you. Uh, and Paul Giamatti. I that was actually. Yeah, I didn't expect to see Paul Giamatti. So when I saw him, I was like, oh. Oh. It's he him. was just in that movie you watched the other week, too. Yes. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. So. There you have it. That's the that's the movie we're doing. All right. So a little bit more about this movie. So it takes place in 1916. And Emily Blunt plays Lily Houghton. And she enlists the aid of a wisecracking skipper named Frank Wolf, which is played by, of course, uh, Dwayne Johnson. And uh, basically, Lily wants... Frank to take her down the Amazon um, in his boat uh, to search for an ancient tree that holds the power to heal, which would be a great discovery that will change the future of medicine. Yes. Very well said. Uh, But, okay, before we jump into the actual movie and break that down, I thought there were a couple of fast facts that I wanted to give about this movie this time. And I'm kind of thinking that going forward, this will be something we do because I found some really interesting little tidbits. Number one. Yes, I'm interested. uh, I I don't know about you, but I'm always curious where they film movies. Mm -hmm. Like, and so for this one, they were it was filmed in both Kauai, Hawaii, and Atlanta, Georgia. So I feel like everything is filmed in Atlanta because I know it's cheap. I know. <laughs> but man, it probably makes for like tough filming all the time because it's so hot there. Oh, uh, uh, yes. And then also, uh, this is not the first time they, that uh, 
Disney had talked about making Jungle Cruise into a movie. And it was interesting, I guess, uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, back in 2011, they were talking about making the movie starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Huh. I don't know who would be playing Lily, Tom or Tim, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just about to say how I wonder what they were thinking the film, like what direction it was going to go yeah. with them. I'd be so curious to know, like, and honestly, it probably would have been just as funny, like, because yeah. Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are both funny actors, and Tom Hanks is so good. Uh, yes. But funny how that works out, huh? Exactly. Um, then another tidbit, as we were talking about uh, the actual ride at Walt Disney, um, in Hollywood anyway, the original, I started looking up, like, the actual ride. And because uh, I was just interested to see like facts about when the ride, you know, that was like the first one of the original rides built there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when they were creating the ride, Walt Disney wanted to have live animals incorporated into the attraction. Oh my but God. He I brought in like, imagine. could you imagine live animals? He brought in. I, I feel like there would be a monkey loose somewhere and it would end up on one of the boats and that would be all bad. Yeah. Plus there's no way to like, (coughs) well, I guess what happened is that a zoologist told him all the animals that he wanted to be in there were going to be mostly nocturnal. So it would just be very boring for guests anyway. So I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So he settled on, for a time, there was actually real alligators that he used in it. How? I do not know. (laughs) I I really would like, I really, really, really want to know how that worked. Like for people who, yeah. But for, for people who've never been to Disneyland, never been on the ride, you get in these like little boats uh, with like long benches. You sit in there and there's like a skipper at the front. But he's, like, the ride is itself. He's not technically driving the boat? Or is someone driving it? I cannot remember. It's actually on, I believe it. I want to say it's on a track. That's what I remember, too. I think it's on a track. I'm pretty sure it's on a track. And you're, you're, you're going down. The water looks murky like it would in the Amazon. However, it's made to look that way. It's actually not dirty water. Uh, and it's set up to make you think you're in the jungle, the Amazon. Uh, but almost all the plants in there are not actually native to the Amazon. Uh, and then they have all these funny, like, things pop out and jokes being said. But we can get into that later. But so that was the Disney aspect. And then mm-hmm. the final thing for my fast facts today that I thought was super fascinating is when you watch the movie, you'll notice that uh, Lily, the main character, is wearing pants. Okay. I don't know how you describe the pants. Like, wide-legged or kind of like... Yeah. I mean, if you think of, like, you know, someone going out on safari. Yeah. I, I think of safari, like, clothing. Yeah. That's, that's what she was wearing in, uh, throughout the film. Yeah. And so... but. A lot, anytime she meets someone or runs into anybody, they always make a comment that the fact is she's wearing pants. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that got me thinking as a female, 
I wanted to take a little deep dive into when women started wearing pants. Are you ready? Because I'm going to take you on a little history lesson. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to go on this ride. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Let's get started. I went real deep, guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's what she said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So in ancient history, China, as early as the first millennium, historians believe that both working class men and women wore trousers or leggings. And can I just say that, you know, of course it started in China because everything is either made or starts in China. Are you just saying that because you're Chinese? Half Chinese, yes. Half Chinese. Uh, yeah. I mean, also, we also created underwear. So without us, things would just be hanging all over the place. That's not always a bad thing, but <laughs> I like that I have a choice. <laughs> okay, back to pants. So it starts there filters its way over into Greece. And we know this because apparently there's painted pottery from like the late 400 BC uh, depicting warrior women wearing pants too. You know, and also I feel like Greece is such a cool and like just, it was so ahead of its time. Not only could women be warriors, but they're also wearing pants. That's awesome. I know. And so then we jump a little bit more And uh, I found that there were like a series of photographs commissioned by the government of India back in the 19th century. And they wanted to gather information about clothes among a lot of other things. And they were showcasing a number of Muslim, Sikh and Hindu women. And they were all wearing something called Salwar style, which is like pajama pants. And that was eventually adopted by the Europeans during, British East India company rule. So um, I was like, very interesting. And I, I can still see the, I mean, you still see those pants today in their, the styles that they wear. Mm-hmm. That kind of bunched at the bottom. Yes. Uh, so then we get into the mid 1800s in America. Okay. So all those ladies are over there wearing their pants, being comfortable and very practical. Mm-hmm. You jump over here, and you've got women wearing 15-pound skirts in the oh name God. of modesty. I mean... I, I cannot I mean, even imagine. If I... Break. Right now, if I wore a t-shirt and shorts, I'm like, oh, God, this is too much clothing. So I cannot <laughs> imagine... Sorry, I, I'm going to stop you there and ask, what do you wear then if a t-shirt and shorts is too much clothing? <laughs> Okay, if I'm inside, then it's going to be underwear and sports bra, maybe not even that. But I mean, like, oh my God. But I mean, here in Texas, it's, you know, you go outside and you're wearing t shirt and shorts and you're sweating bullets. Yeah. Because not only is it hot, but it's also humid. So it's like, I can't imagine being in Texas and having to wear 15 pounds of clothing. Yeah. I mean, so this historian wrote this article um, and in it, she said that obviously women complained of overheating uh, and impaired breathing, sweeping along filthy streets and tripping over stairs, crushed organs from the whalebone in their corsets and getting caught in factory machinery. Oh, man. 
makes sense. Uh, And so in 1850, a woman named Amelia Bloomer, who was a woman's right activist, and the first woman to own, operate, and edit a newspaper for women, popularized the Bloomer pan. So there's basically like the loose trousers that are like tapered at the ankle, known also as like a harem trouser, worn in the Middle East and Central Asia. So it's like, she clearly probably saw what women over there were wearing. And she was mm-hmm. like, let me bring this to you women. But, and it turns out a lot of women would, would start wearing those, but underneath <clears throat> the, the dresses and the skirts. Does that make sense? That does not even make sense. No, we're adding even more. I was just <laughs> about to say, we're adding more fabric and, and poundage to what is already a lot of weight. But can oh. you imagine, like, it was such a, like, such a taboo thing but a woman still wanted to like wear pants so she was like i'm putting the suckers under the skirt i'm going to protest by wearing it underneath everything women i feel so then with the 1900s uh what starts happening world war Mm one world war two and so obviously men are away at war women pick up the slack work in their jobs so they are now allowed to at least wear pants when they're working uh, and overalls. Okay, stick with me, guys. I'm getting, I'm almost done. Okay, actually, <laughs> uh, I'm halfway. <laughs> then 1911, okay, we're kind of World War One still. Uh, there's a Paris couturier named Paul Poiret. He introduces the harem pant. Okay, so we have it from the lady in 1850 now he's bringing it to Paris and he's making it all like Frenchy uh, <laughs> and he's trying to like reinvent this to liberate western female fashion so and like some of his contemporaries which was like Coco Chanel who often dressed in her boyfriend's suits uh, began designing pants for women but mainly they were to wear for horseback riding interesting so then uh, we get into Hollywood and obviously one of the Hollywood icons of that time uh, was, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Catherine uh, Hepburn. Marnie. Not Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Who's the Mar- other one? Audrey Marnie. Hepburn. Sorry. Oh, Audrey. I, yeah. I, I wanted to say her because everyone knows her in like that cute little black shirt, black Oh, um, mm-hmm. you know, pencil pants and like a little black flag. Yep. And uh, so she, th- so those three kind of iconic actresses start kind of wearing them a little bit here and there, full pantsuits. Um, and Audrey Hepburn had said she used to dress up in her brother's clothes. Like just because she wanted to wear pants, you'd have to wear boys clothes in order just to like, be comfortable and run around yeah. and play. Ugh. Crazy. So, okay, we're moving right along. And now we're into the 60s. Okay. And uh, despite the second wave of feminism, women encouraged by the developments like the contraceptive pill, it was still controversial for them to wear trousers in public. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Then you enter Yves Saint Laurent love Yves Saint Laurent and he introduces Les Smoking which is the first tuxedo for women and 
a funny story. I guess one of his um, like models had worn uh, this tuxedo to this famous uh, restaurant in New York. And she went to go get into the restaurant and they wouldn't let her come in with pants on. What? Yeah. So she, of course, being fabulous, took the pants off and just wore the suit jacket as like a very mini dress in. And that was okay. <laughs> so they would rather have her be half naked than to wear pants? That doesn't wear make pants. sense. I know. It, actually, it, insane. It's literally insane. So then you guys were coming to an end. You had the hippie revolution in the 70s, mm-hmm. which brought like a totally new dimension. And now we're into jeans. We're into pants. We're bedazzling stuff. We're getting the boot cut gene. And from there, we're pretty much uh, home free on the pants situation. <laughs> and now today, we can wear yoga pants to the office. And it's fine. So <laughs> how far we've come on pants. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sarah, for the, the timeline of the pants. It's just the right to wear what you want to wear has always been a struggle. Yeah. And like, I just read this interesting article about pants funny enough and (laughs) how women are like why are we given jeans that are so tight that don't have pockets so we have to like multi hold our phone our keys a coffee or this or like our jeans are always so tight like you can't fit things in them you can barely cram your cell phone in the back pocket yeah you know and and that's something too that's interesting that we've never been allowed in fashion pockets yeah I mean you know we have you know as a girl you have some pants that are faux pockets yes and I hate it I hate sometimes you buy one and like I would get home and put my what the these are actual real pockets I gotta take this back like yeah yeah we never use our pockets for anything that you would use pockets for. You use your purse, you use your coat, you use your hands. <laughs> let's get back into this movie. Let's okay. take a deep dive uh, and let's uh, get going. So yeah. the jump cruise, the movie yes. opens and it's the 16th century. Uh, Spanish conquistadors led by um, a gentleman named Aguirre traveled to South America in search of the Tears of the Moon, which is a mythical tree, which, like we said in the beginning, um, the petals of this tree could be a cure for any illness, heal any injury, and uh, conveniently lift any curse. Yeah. Uh, we're going to fast forward to 1916 and Dr. Lily Houghton. Uh, who, oh, you know what? Yes. Sorry to stop you there, but we should probably say they go looking for that and then they end up getting taken by the jungle. Yes. So So they get taken by the jungle. Uh, Yeah. These vines, tree branches come and like take these guys. It's uh, yeah. Take these guys away and they are dead as far as we know. Yes. And I, I thought that was a pretty cool effect in the movie. With the vines in the jungle, like, wrapping around the guys and kind of taking them away. I mean, throughout the movie, what, with those guys, those gentlemen, um, it's really cool. Yeah. 
how they take on certain parts of the forest. Yep. Okay. So then, yep. Good. Head back to 1916 now. So 1916 and Dr. Lily Houghton, she's sitting up at the top because during this time, women were not allowed to do anything, basically. Sitting up at the top of what? Oh, um, so I think they are at an institution. I wasn't sure if it was a school or they're they're at the like Royal Society. Ro- Thank you. Of um, explorers, and, yeah. And basically, they are so Lily Houghton and her brother McGregor, yep, um, are trying to get funding to go to the Amazon to find the tree and like I said because Lily is a woman she cannot give the speech her brother is her voice Um, and explaining that you know the petals could revitalize medicine and aid in the British war effort exactly and so uh, McGregor which is Lily's brother she's like he's like up on the podium addressing like a room full of white men and then on the top is a whole like level of all the women Mm -hmm. you know because women we we can't handle that stuff no we're so delicate Delicate creatures yeah uh so he's trying to request access for them to look at this arrowhead that was found by this Dr. Albert Falls. Oh, thank and, you. Yes, I yeah. don't know why I said funding, but they're trying to find the arrowhead, yes. That's okay. And um, Lily, who's really the brains behind the operation, uh, is believes that that's like the key to locate this tree. So when McGregor is uh, addressing the men and they're basically like, start saying, no, no, like we're not gonna give you the funding. No, this is crazy. Uh, you see Lily get up and leave the room. And as that's happening, like McGregor, he's working off all these note cards that were clearly written by his sister. Mm -hmm. And so he comes across, right, that next note card that says, like, stall them. Yeah, basically, yes. If it's, if, you know, the the first part of the speech didn't work, say this. Exactly, yeah. So she takes off to basically, like, the back room where they're holding all these like antiquities and things to try and obviously get the arrowhead. Uh, and on her way, she runs into Prince Hakim. Is that how you the say way, his name? No, because the how way he said it? it, he said it was like, it was different. Cause I was like, <laughs> at first I thought that's what he said too, but he did he say is, something. He, he does speak the Deutsch. Um, I, it's not Joaquin. I know that, Joaquin? but I can't. I can't do it. I can't do oh it. The way he okay. Did. Well, then forgive us, anybody, because that's how we're probably going to be saying it this whole podcast. <laughs> uh, but he's basically like a, he plays a German aristocrat, uh, and he also wants the arrowhead, uh, arrowhead for the tree. And so I, I just have to say that the what Lily had to go through to even get to the arrowhead, she basically steals it, right? Yeah. It was just really 
cool to see her do all of that stuff. Like what? Um, so she basically was like, I feel like almost in like an escape room where she was like trying to like, first she had to sneak in to the room and there's these two antiquity workers, Mm -hmm. historians, I don't know what they're called, but they're basically like looking at the artifacts and I think like putting them together and maybe just recording what is in the boxes. Mm -hmm. And she sees this huge box and then she finds something to open it and the one of the workers was he was doing something that made a lot of noise and anytime he went to make the noise that's when she would try to prop like get the box open yeah and she found the arrowhead and then the prince comes in and all hell breaks loose and they see her and then she has to try to make her way out of there and she ends up going out the window just in time as the tour bus was like coming by yeah and um she managed to escape uh arrowhead in hand and uh it was a really cool little scene yeah, yeah, it was a fun scene to see her work her way around that room and try and avoid getting caught. And so now she gets away on one of those double-decker buses with her brother, mm-hmm. and uh, the prince is left in the window with what he thought was the box with the arrowhead in it, but instead it's got a little toucan in it. Yes. And uh, he's like, then he comes back in, badass kills everyone in the room uh, because they know who he is now. And he's like, who was that woman? And then scene. We cut to South America in Brazil, where we see uh, The Rock, Frank Wolf, uh, taking tourists on um, through the Amazon on a cruise. And he embellishes with um, fake dangers and the, the dad jokes were nonstop. And yeah. I loved it. And that was um, clearly a nod to the ride. Exactly. That opening scene with him doing that. Mm-hmm. And you, what's the like most famous joke you said from the ride that he so, did in the movie? So one, anytime that you're on the Jungle Cruise, they're going to say this line. And that is, uh, and here we are, the eighth wonder of the world, the backside of water. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Done, like yeah, dad jokes for days. But after he, yeah, does a tour. Yeah, after he does a tour, um, his boat engine is then repossessed by a businessman uh, named Nilo, who is played by Paul Giamatti, Uh, and he then attempts to steal it back, and he is caught in the act by Lily. And Frank, of course, pretends to be Nilo once he heard money is involved, right? Right. And uh, Lily's there because she's trying to get a boat captain to take her down the Amazon. Exactly. Um, and Frank tells her that the tears of the moon is a myth and that she will she wouldn't be able to handle the dangers of the jungle. Um, 
but of course changes his tune when he notices that Lily is in possession of the arrowhead. Um, and Frank's deception is revealed once the real Nilo shows up and, um, Frank doesn't know she has the arrowhead because she showed him. He saw it because she has it hanging on a necklace. On her neck. Yes. And um, so he, he caught a glimpse of it. Yes. And I think what really helped seal the deal for Lily is when the leopard came in to, they were at a, this bar where there was, uh, Nilo's office was upstairs. I think it was a jaguar. I thought Jaguars, well, whatever. It was a really big cat. It was a mean cat. <laughs> Leopard. I was, I, you know, what's so funny is when I was. Because of spots, making, right? Huh. Yeah. When I was making the notes on the movie, I was about to write Jaguar. And then I was like, no, it's a leopard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he showed off his bravery and his knowledge and skills of the jungle. Um by you know saving everyone from this jaguar and then that really i think sealed the deal for for frank to be the tour guide yeah for lily and her brother mcgregor yeah exactly so they decide okay we'll meet up uh that afternoon to go out and uh start their adventure and as they're like getting everything down to the boat uh one Nilo, he's trying to also get down to the boat because Frank's taken the engine back, which he was not supposed to. So his croons are trying to get down there. Mm-hmm. And then they get in the boat. They they kind of have a fight scene and then they have to jump in the water, but Lily doesn't know how to swim. So she takes a long route and there's some more like acrobatics involved. Finally, they get on the boat. So now they're done with Nilo's guys. They're on the road and then lo and behold, there's a random submarine in the, in the water. Like, I was like, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and it turns First out. All, I, I would like to know if the Amazon is deep enough for a submarine. That would have been a good thing to look up. You're right. But I didn't. Sorry, guys. And also, I'm sure the Amazon opens up into larger bodies of water, but I'm not sure, like, how quickly could he have gotten from London down to where he is in the Amazon? Like, I don't know. The timeline is iffy how that happens, but nevertheless, there's the prince with his crew and they are about to now attack them so that they can get the arrowhead. However, I mean, I don't really know the maneuverability on a submarine, but I still feel like it could have caught up to the junker boat that they're on. I well I mean and two when you're when they're showing like overhead shots of the Amazon it's not you know just a straight shot it's curvy yeah and I'm sure that there are parts of it that are you know overgrown with trees and like just brush and and I would think that it would be hard for a submarine to maneuver yeah so but I don't for know some reason, yeah. The submarine, I guess, was just uh I don't even know. This is a movie. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Ahead of its time in 1916. Yeah. Uh so basically they 
uh, chase each other for a little bit. And and there's also a missile that's launched. Missile's launched, but somehow they narrowly avoid it. <laughs> and it hits something else, and then it causes a submarine to, like, kind of crash up onto this thing. And so they're able to escape for the time being. Uh, and now they're just, like, on the Amazon River now. They're on their way. And floating down, you know, they have their kind of banter back and forth. And then we find out that it turns out that the jaguar that Lily and McGregor thought Frank had wrestled because he's like so fearless is actually his little trusted friend. And he's also on the boat with them. (laughs) And the pet's name is Proxima. Proxima. Mm -hmm. So, So in the meantime... Frank, Lily, and McGregor are on the boat and, you know, really getting to know each other and building a bond, an everlasting bond. Wow, Um, you really got deep there with your voice in that moment. You're like, thanks. It's like going in and out right now, and I don't know why. Um, (laughs) But we get to, you know, it cuts to the prince, and he is like, we're going to need some help. And So he knows about the myth. He knows where they are. So he was able to locate them and knows that the thing that keeps them, I guess, alive Mm -hmm. is the river water. Right. And so he has a little droplet, a dropper, and he drops some on to the main conquistador in his agiri. And we see two snakes kind of come alive and come out. And it yeah. kind of goes in and out. Um, and the prince basically tells him exactly what he wants. That you're going to help me find this tree. And you're going to. Uh, I, I think he's like, you're going to help me get that arrowhead. Oh, yes. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Which is going to lead to the tree, which is yeah. what he wants. Yeah. However, uh, the arrowhead doesn't actually lead to the tree. The arrowhead is what you need when you get to the tree to make it work. But we'll find that out later. Uh, but I thought that scene when he like drop the water on them like first he takes like a dropper and he just drops a couple drops and Mm -hmm. when the guy starts to come out of the stone it's the snakes i thought that was like pretty cool and pretty scary for like little kids i think they would have been a little yikes yeah a little a little jump yeah Um, so once he tells him what he wants the snake nods its head up and down saying i agree to help you work yeah Um, he, the prince blows up part of the mountain, which causes like a waterfall to come down where these men are, which then frees them. Yeah. Agiri, I guess he's the snake guy and uses the snakes to fight. And there's like another guy that's like covered in bees and honey. Yeah. But we don't see that then. We just see this the main guy, I think, right? Just the snakes. I feel like the water comes crashing down. And, and I think we just see the it. snakes. Yeah. 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 
And then, okay. So then cut back to the river cruise. Uh, they're, they're cruising down the river. Obviously, they're starting to become closer. You know, they're spending those long days on the boat. They're going to be talking. They're going to be letting their guards down, getting to know each other a little better. What once annoyed each other is now something of, you know, endearment. Uh, Frank always calls Lily pants and Lily always calls him Skippy. So now they've got these little sweet pet names that they didn't like at first. Now they kind of like it. Um, And then they decide to like dock the boat so they can go like get some stuff off the boat. And I thought this was interesting. So McGregor and Frank are like sitting together off the boat and they're talking and Frank mentions to him that he was basically nearly disowned by his family mm-hmm. due to being gay and that Lily stood by him. And that's why he goes on these adventures for her because when everyone else kind of turned on him, she never did. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't specifically say he's gay. No, but he, he alludes does, to it. Yeah. But you know what he means. Yeah. And so that got me thinking a little bit about, Disney movies uh, and them trying to portray you know gay characters I guess I'm trying to say is it doesn't feel like they obviously come out and say it they kind of do these little uh, side they kind of sidestep it like they don't want to come right out and have their characters say that but oh yeah I'm gay yeah but the wording that's used you know, like when he says that, you know, he had a marriage proposal from a woman and he had to decline because he was not into that. He was into something else. You know that that's something else. is Exactly. Is, but is my question is, is that like cautious baby steps for Disney? Or is it, you know, company cynicism? Like, are they trying to be very gentle in what they're saying because they don't want to turn off certain people for some reason? Or are they just trying to say, oh, we put a gay character in. Like, aren't we amazing? Aren't we groundbreaking? When it's like, they still haven't had a main character be one. It's always like a background character or it's always so brief that it, it like it doesn't stick around long enough to make an impression. You kind of hear it and then you're off again on the, mm-hmm. the movie. We don't but, have to get into a whole thing about that, but I just food in the thought. But I mean, I think that it's interesting though, right? Because there's been a lot of speculation with other Disney characters as to if they are or not gay. I know there was a big thing about Elsa from Frozen mm-hmm. and a lot of people alluding or thinking that she is a lesbian and then like makes no sense like why do we think that because she doesn't have a partner in the movie disney i think that they have to be careful i guess with how they cross certain lines because they're supposed to be this family oriented wholesome they have to i feel like maintain a certain 
I don't know. I don't know. To me, that's exactly why they should be like putting things out there more. But well, especially in today's age, right? Where everything yeah. is so much more open, where there's more fluidity in gender and in orientation of who you're attracted to it seems like now would be the perfect time to open up yeah. and have that discussion and, and put that out and say, okay, this character is, is gay, but I feel like they alluded that he was throughout the entire movie. Right. Or especially in the beginning where McGregor is definitely more, he has, he's more feminine, right. Mm -hmm. He, he, when he was, getting onto the boat with um, the rock and, and Emily Blunt, you know, he was the one that had all of the, the luggage with all right. of his clothes. Right. Uh, you know, it wasn't Lily who right. had just what she was wearing. I feel like basically. Yeah. Uh, and so. But now yeah. are we getting into stereotypes? I mean, I guess we could really nitpick it. We could, we could, we can, we can have a whole episode on this alone, right? Yeah. Okay. Let, let's, let's keep moving on the train here or else we're going to be on this podcast for three hours. Okay. <laughs> so while they're over there having their heart to heart, Lily breaks into Frank's office mm-hmm. and she finds all these drawings with like inventions about the car and uh, drawings of the arrowhead and tears of the moon talk. And she's like, hold up, wait a minute. Frank lied to me yet again. So when he comes back on the boat, she brings out all the stuff she found in the office. And she's like, WTF, yep. basically. Yeah. And he's like, just about to be like, whoa, you went through my stuff. When, uh-oh, the boat gets attacked by a tribe of cannibals. And they all are like shot with these arrows and they all pass out. And then they wake back up. And they're up in this like beautiful treetop village and all the tribesmen are around them wearing the masks and the three of them are standing with like their hands tied behind their back and the the chief comes out and is like, give me that arrowhead and I'll let you guys go. And uh, they're like, no, we'll never leave. And then basically Lily like, you know, gets a uh, spear out of one of the guy's hands and she's like about to like attack them and Frank's like whoa 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 and the the head uh tribe leader comes down and is like wait wait this was just a joke haha <laughs> funny like <laughs> Frank pays us to do this kind of stuff and it's a woman named Trader Sam she's like the tribe's female leader then they're kind of now they're all like talking uh and Sam is like, let me translate what's on the arrowhead. And I thought at first, like, hmm, did Lily ever think to see about having someone translate that before? Like, that seems like it would have been a useful thing to do before you even went on the Amazon. Uh, y- yeah, just so you know like, <laughs> what you got to do. and Yeah, like, the tree only blooms under a blood moon. Like, what happened if she was like, crap, there's not another blood moon for two months? Like, Or what if it was like two years? Yeah. I mean, now she's like going to have to wait. But lucky her, it's happening in two days. <laughs> Very convenient. So now they all feel good. Okay, great. We know when it's happening. We have a plan. 
and we know it's going to be like up at the uh where the uh on this like map that they had uh, but they discover right that it's not where they always thought it was going to be that it's exactly it's this new uh or it's different location this whole time exactly Um, so they're like woohoo like we know what we're doing (laughs) awesome but don't get too comfortable because about 10 seconds later those conquistadors come in and start attacking the crap out of the whole tribe Mm -hmm. and they look really good like i mean the way in which they did that cgi was really cool yes like like you were saying yeah i i think like with the um with the jaguar like it was good but i feel like you could still tell like it was fake but i think two little kids that i i don't think they would be able to tell right yeah, and like so, like you said, they had one guy that was all snakes, and like seeing the snakes kind of under his face, mm-hmm. moving through yeah. his skin was pretty gross. Yeah. yeah, one was like you said, bees. So like half his face was honeycomb, and there were and, thousands of bees. And it was funny because he kept like, did you notice that he kept like licking his fingers? Yeah, and I was like, interesting. I like honey good. too. I don't know. He's like, and, damn, I taste good. Yeah, it's like, mm. uh, and another guy was like branches, like all branches, yes. like a tree. Uh-huh. Okay, so they're like, you know, kicking booty up in that treetop. Everyone's running whichever way. Guy, the leader, the a Gary guy who's the snake guy, he finally gets the arrowhead. And then Frank's like, no, and he goes up. But just as he rips the arrowhead out of his hand, uh, a Gary stabs him. Frank throws the arrowhead, you know, like slow motion people picture it. Mm-hmm. Lily catches it. Yes. Like perfect Frank, catch, by the way, and perfect, perfect throw. Catch. Frank falls through the trees, down, looks like he breaks every bone in his body and falls and, into the river, gone. Yep. And you see like a little splash. And she's like, no. But then like Trader Sam's like, run, run away from the, the river. Because as we know, the conquistadors cannot go away from the river. They get pulled back at a certain le- uh, point. Mm-hmm. So she takes off running. They can't catch her. Uh, yes. So the next morning, uh, Lily discovers that Frank has somehow miraculously survived. And at this point, we get the real story on Frank Wolf. He reveals that his real name is Francisco, and he is actually one of the cursed conquistadors. He is unable to die or leave the river. We're like, what? Oh, my God. Like, yes. Didn't see that coming? No, did not see that coming at all. Um, And then we find out that Aguirre set out to go on this journey because he wanted to save his daughter. And yeah, I think so it's that... like, turns out it's actually like a sweet and noble reason why he wanted to find it. Mm-hmm. And we also learned that Aguirre and Frank were raised together. Yeah. And they were like brothers. We also find out that Francisco was actually 
the person that created the map that Lily, I mean, she always was obsessing over the maps, right? Yeah. And just talking about how amazing it is um, and how detailed it was. And she finds out that it's, it's Frank. Frank's the creator. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he had been with the Geary when they went to find this tree. Yes. Yeah. Didn't so basically, but didn't yeah. they get hurt? And then, so they, they were trying to go on this journey and it was taking forever and they were getting nowhere. And they basically all started to just like. They started to get down. sick. Yeah, yeah. And go down. Yeah. And the natives found yep. them and nursed them back to become healthy again with this petal from this tree. Um, and things were good. They were strong. Um, but. But Aguirre, he really needed to get to those petals. Like, he kept asking them, right? Like, yes. he, he wanted to get to it. Yeah, you're taking they, too long. And I get oh, it. Yeah. Like, he's got a sick daughter at home. He's like, I don't have all day here. Like, and you're going to help me or what? Exactly. And that's when things kind of switched up for Aguirre. And he started to attack the yeah. villagers. And the chief was like, oh, hell no, you don't. Yeah. And decided to put a curse and Aguirre was chasing after the chief's daughter that had the pedal. Um, and, but by the time important to point out that in that moment, when Aguirre attacked the chief, Frank saved the chief by knocking over Aguirre. Yes. So he switched sides. He was no longer a Spaniard, but now he was on the villager side that created a rift, obviously between the two men. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were uh, saying, though, that the chief, before the chief died, he was cursing them that they could never leave the river. Yes. And then once that happened, once the chief kind of said the curse, they were then swallowed up by the jungle. Yep. And after years of fighting, Frank trapped Aguirre and the others in a cave away from the river where they became petrified. Um, and then he spent his time searching for the tree to lift his curse. Um, but he had been unable to find, to find it without this arrowhead. Yeah. He tells that story. Lily's like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. And she's like mesmerized. Like you don't bleed. You don't you know, die. Like, Oh my God, you've, what have you been doing this whole time? And in addition, we find out McGregor, he's like injured. And so they decide he's going to stay behind with Trader Sam mm-hmm. and Lily and Frank are going to take up down the river and get this uh, arrowhead in and get to this tree. And so. one thing that I wanted to point out too is during this time, we also find out that the, the little town they left their journey from is a town that Frank built. Yeah. And- my question was, if Frank built this town, how did he get away with not dying or aging? Or, uh, I mean, he, yeah, exactly. Good point. Like, yeah how how did people not question anything? Yeah. Uh, good point. Because yeah, you're right. In the montage, when he's telling the story to them, they're showing him like creating this entire 
town and a village, like all these things. So he's clearly been around several hundred years. Uh, 400 to be exact. Yeah. Or like, wow, you look amazing for 400 <laughs> years old. <laughs> uh, I think just like some other things, just don't look too closely. Um, <laughs> just, just keep on going. Just don't just worry about take it. Take it for what it's saying. Okay. Um, so they're making the final journey up to get to the tree. Meanwhile, the prince has received word from the conquistadors uh, via, via bees. some bees, uh, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, and the bees kind of like buzz around a map and point out where they're going to be going for the tree. So the prince is like, thank you. He's heading up the river now. He's got to capture McGregor. And so that McGregor can tell him exactly the location and confirm what he thinks the bees have told him. Mm-hmm. and he's like if you don't I'm going to torpedo the hell out of this village so he's like oh god fine I'll just tell you so as that's happening now Lily and Frank have found the entrance to the tree through some um, aquatic abilities that are amazing yeah, uh, first of all I, I is it possible to survive underwater with the method that The Rock and Emily used. Okay, so in the movie, they're using the Frank swims <laughs> to the top, gets a big breath of water, comes down because Lily has trapped herself inside this cage trying to open this lever. And he blows air into her mouth and then he goes back up and she keeps working. Because, I mean, he's breathing out CO2, which, I mean, carbon, I mean, that's not good. And then she's taking that in. So I just wonder. So there's something called buddy breathing underwater, which is a real thing, but it's usually for diving. And it's usually with a diving uh, tank where, like, if one person goes down, you can use it to share, but you're sharing oxygen from a tank. Yeah. yeah, I'm guessing no for exactly what you said. And also, I think it's like physically impossible to blow air underwater from one mouth to another. Enough air to make any difference for the other person. Yeah. So, but again, movie magic. He does it. And not only that, but she can't swim. And she's, she swim. she's magically doing all of this aquatic stuff. But then she drowns. And yes, but she pulled the lever. So now like water is draining and water will be draining for like a good solid 15 minutes in the movie while like actions happening. Um, Draining. He gets her out and luckily with like a few shakes and like yelling at her, she wakes up. Great. Yeah. No CPR needed. Nothing. Boom. And she wakes up and she just jumps like right up and she's like, how dare you? And he's like, I'm sorry. And like, all is forgiven. Fine. Because they're like now amazed at the city that's revealing itself from the water. Yeah. And they're like, yes, we're going to go in. And then all of a sudden, oh no, here's the submarine with the prince with McGregor. And he's like, ha ha, I'm here. And I will take your arrowhead from you now. 
But yep. now they realize it's like got to be like a joint effort because they don't really know what to do necessarily. So they go in to this like ruins and they climb up uh, uh, some stairs and they get to like this uh, wall kind of round spherish thing and they go inside and Lily and uh, Frank are like hey we'll help you but we each want a petal from the tree Mm -hmm. and he's like only one of you get it the other one has to kill the other one but hey we know as the audience that Frank can't be killed so Lily's like don't worry I get the petal and I'll kill him so then they crack the code on how to open the uh thing turns out the arrowhead breaks open and there's a little jewel i guess inside i want the ruby i i was like actually i would just take that like thank you that's awesome (laughs) but it's supposed to symbolize the heart right of yeah of the warrior right yeah yeah i liked it and it works so it worked okay so then it comes in and like purple lights shoot everywhere and then the tree just under the blood moon as it's happening lights up it's like electric purple beautiful beautiful what i don't know is that the tree only comes alive for like 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff that happens in that 30 seconds also yes there's like lily shoots frank frank falls down then she runs off the tree to get her petal then the other guys are like, oh, crap. They can start already seeing the tree dying again. So mm-hmm. they're trying to run up this tree. Then you've got, like, the conquistadors are coming in. Then Frank's like, crap. I am alive still, obviously. And I got to get those conquistadors to come with me so I can trap us all away. And, like, we're done. Yep. Lily's like, of course. She runs and she just grabs the very last petal before it goes away. And it was interesting because the tree died, but I think it was a cloud that was covering just that little bit of moon. And then once the cloud passed, there was just enough of that moon left for one petal. So now you have many people left who all want the petal and only one person's holding it. So there's uh, some fighting, some conquistadors uh, trying to get at the prince, trying to get at the arrowhead, trying to get at Frank. They really want that pedal. I mean, not the arrowhead anymore. Sorry, the pedal. Yeah. And I think, I think at this point, the prince is on the same branch that Lily is holding, trying to hold on to for dear life. And the rock, with the help of McGregor and his um, pet cat, Proxima, have got the conquistadors on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And he is heading for the wall. Yeah. And Lily sees this and she knows exactly what he's doing. And the prince ends up dying, doesn't he? He does, yes. A very uh, gruesome death. Because the, the column falls on him. Right. 
the finally McGregor has his moment. Yes. Where he like punches punches him right in the face as he's trying to get to Lily with the pedal and he knocks him back and then big column falls on him and squishes him dead. Yes. He was like, oops, sorry about that. Uh, so then Frank gets to the wall with the other guys. They all get taken by the wall. They're all getting turned to stone. Lily and McGregor are rushing to the wall now, but they're too late. They've all been taken and turned to stone. Mm-hmm. And she's sad. McGregor's sad. I'm sad. And what does she do? She puts she that like, pedal in his mouth. At first, I'm like, Lily, that could be a breakthrough for medicine forever for like billions of people, but you're going to use it just to save Frank? And not even that, to save. but but Frank manages to turn to stone with his mouth open. Lucky. Yeah. Turns out to be a real good sign because no, Lily doesn't decide to use it for the advancement of medicine. She uses it and she puts it in Frank's mouth. Because it's true love. True true love. love. Nothing happens. So she's like, well, that sucks. Now she doesn't have the pedal or Frank. So they start to walk away, but you know how things work. And Mm -hmm. You hear like some cracking of some stone and sure enough, Frank's back at it again. But he's bleeding now because he's a real person again. (laughs) Curse has been lifted and he and her and McGregor all embrace in a warm hug. And there you go. But there's one last petal that just magically happens to come out. There is? Yes. Where was that? Forget so after they, okay, well, first, I feel like any movie where The Rock kisses anybody, I don't know about anyone else, but I feel like it's a little weird for me to watch that because <laughs> I feel like he is awkward. I feel like The Rock can be awkward sometimes. So it's anytime I see him kissing, I feel like it's it's just an awkward kiss and it's not like a real kiss. But I feel like this kiss was actually like, decent and I was like okay I like I'm feeling it yeah I don't know it's always hard for me to see him in like a romantic way yeah he's always like funny and uh like charming but not in like a a romantic way so even watching them together I thought they had good chemistry but it didn't seem like romantic chemistry no definitely like just friend zoned for sure yeah yeah but so, okay, so then they have the scene, and then and then how do they wrap this movie? So we, we come back to, to London to uh, the Royal, Royal Society of Explorers, um, and we see that um, McGregor is giving another speech, and he basically says, like, uh, Lily rejects your membership. Uh, because now all of a sudden, because they find, um, because they found the pedal, they want to be a part of all of this to gain notoriety. And Lily's like, nah, I don't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so McGregor, with his speech, insults the society in front of them, um, saying that they're not worthy of the stories due to um, yeah. just how they were treating 
Lily and just everything before. Yeah. They're chauvinistic pigs, basically. Exactly. The final scene of the movie is Lily showing Frank how to drive a car. Yeah. And it is then. And she, yeah, and she tells like a little corny joke herself. And he's like, oh, look at you. You know, corny jokes now too. (laughs) And And then they drive off in the sunset. In the sunset. And there you go, guys. Jungle Cruise. That was a whopper of a podcast. And if anyone hung on with us till the end of this, thank you. (laughs) I know that was like long. We appreciate Uh, it. We appreciate it. We appreciate any feedback. So if people want to email us with either movies we should review or feedback or anything, please. Hella good movie pod at gmail.com. Hella good movie pod at gmail.com, people. Email us. Let us know. Uh, Okay. That wraps it. Um, You know, I know you and I are still trying to think of like what our rating system is for movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just, I just put fist pumps because I didn't know what else to put. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm starting with. We'll see where it goes. I was going to say, um, you give it fist pumps. I'm going to give it two chopsticks up. <laughs> <laughs> so you get two out of five chopsticks. Yes. I like no, it. Not too, well, I mean, it's a good movie. It's entertaining. Um, I was definitely in it from beginning to end. And uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's good. I think it's definitely um, a good remake or not even a remake, just uh, a good Disney movie. It's a good Disney movie. Yeah. And I'm going to give it three out of five, whatever's like right now. I don't really know what my like shtick is going to be. So I'm going to think about that. I don't really know if I want to commit to fist pump, but I do like that. <laughs> um, okay, before we wrap, quickly, Cassie, what are you having for dinner tonight? Okay, so I'm actually going to make dinner tonight. And oh. I, I, yes, I'm going to make um, pesto, well, chicken pesto pasta. Okay. And I'm okay. also going to make non-dairy garlic bread. Sounds awful, but um, I hope it's good. <laughs> Let me tell you, all so Mykonos has garlic butter, and they're like a non-dairy brand. Yeah, and they have um, non-dairy garlic butter. I just put that on French bread and put it in the oven, and it's just like garlic bread. It's yeah, amazing. I could see that. Mykonos yeah. makes really good uh, dairy-free cheeses and uh, butter, so it's I'm sure it's good. Yes, yes, except for cream cheese. I cannot find a good dairy-free cream cheese that tastes like Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> There's literally nothing, so you might as well not even bother. <laughs> I you just can't bothered. replicate cream cheese. Oh god! And sour right cream. Now. Sour cream is something yeah. else. Yeah, those are the two. Did the two dairy things I miss? Yeah, the most. Um, that's but really that's good. yeah, that's what I'm gonna have for dinner. What about you? I am making tortilla soup. Oh, so. That's in the crock pot as we speak. Oh, my God. What was that restaurant when um, we were younger that we would always go to for tortilla soup? Yeah. Mission Harito. Oh, man. The best. The best. I feel like I've finally got a recipe that gets me as close as I've ever been to that recipe. Yeah. Uh, But there's just no recreating it. 
you know, I didn't even know to think to ask them before they closed down. Oh, they're gone. Oh my God. Cassie, they've been gone literally since before you moved. Really? Yeah. Why? What happened? I think they just, the the owners just Was, were old. Were, they were done. And they were just tired. Yeah. You know, Aww. I know I miss that place every time I want tortilla soup, but, uh, all right, guys, that does it, uh, for our podcast today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate yep. all of you. And we'll see you next week with a new movie to review. Bye guys. Bye.